God promised that life would be challenging because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You remember what he said in Genesis 3, verses 17, 18, and 19. I mean, after he pronounced a curse on Eve, he told Adam, because you have done this, and he said, you're going to have a a lot of problems all the days of your life, like thorns and thistles, and you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Well, all of that was a promise from God, that things are going to be difficult in a now fallen world. And also for all of those who come from the first couple, which is you and me, that we're going to struggle similarly. In fact, you see a hint of this in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, where it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. That is Romans 5.12. And so from the fall of humanity in the early days of the Garden of Eden to the end of, of the earth as we know it, the promise of pain, suffering, difficulty, and personal problems is what it means to live in a fallen world as fallen creatures. Now, it sounds gloomy. This is not an uplifting message because, quite frankly, it is gloomy. But a dose of reality must be our worldview. A dose of reality must be our baseline understanding if we want to live well in God's world while avoiding the temptations that come along with it. And in the context of this podcast, the primary temptation that I'm talking about is anger, especially when we get angry when things do not go our way. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am so glad that you are here. I am wrapping up my digital book on anger, and I I trust that you have benefited already from the chapters that I've completed. And if you go to the article of this chapter that I'm sharing with you, you will have all of them listed for you. All eight, chapters one through eight, at the bottom of this one. And the title of this one is The Problem with Cursing the Son. And I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment. What I mean by cursing the son. Now, you have the benefit here. You can read this article that I'm sharing with you. At Those of you who are listening to the podcast, well, of course, you can listen too. And then, of course, I am making all of our articles these days into videos, and so you're welcome to watch the video version of this article. So you can read, you can watch, or you can listen or you can do all three or any combination. Now, our ministry is not just read, watch, listen. We are also discuss too because we want to be a dialogue ministry and not just monologue. Therefore, we have a place where people can come and they can communicate with us and we would find no greater joy than to talk to you about things that are vital to you. Perhaps it is anger, which is a common problem with all of us to some degrees. Uh, Many of us have episodic moments of anger and then others have a pattern, a habituation of anger that they really need to work through. And so if you want to talk about that in this digital book that I am doing. You're welcome to do that, or maybe you have something else on your mind. Well, please come to our community forums, because that is the only place uh, that we communicate with uh, our community, because quite frankly, uh, that's the only 
that's all we can do. Uh, we're not an omnipresent ministry. Uh, we have 20-something social media platforms, and, and our concern is that people will fall through the cracks, and we don't want that to happen, but we can't be everywhere all the time. And so I want you uh, on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Gitter or Parler or uh, a Podbean or iTunes or wherever you may be listening to this podcast, that if you have a, a question that's important to you, just come to our free community forums, and they are exactly that. They are free. We do not charge for our resources, and and we want you to be able to benefit freely. We do have a small army of folks who underwrite our ministry, and if you want to join that army, we will not turn you away because we need as many underwriters as we can as we can have. But we made a promise, or, or we made a a decision a number of years ago that we're going to give our resources away and we'll trust God that he will move enough hearts that uh, we can do this or provide these resources freely. And and so far in all of these years, it it has happened. All right, so let me wrap up this uh, chapter on anger. I want to do this podcast for you. Again, if you want to find this specific one on our website, you are looking for the title, The Problem with Cursing the sun. And when you get there, you'll find the article, the podcast will be embedded, and the video will be embedded too. Perhaps in the search feature, you could just type in cursing the sun, and that will get you to this article because there's not another one on our site titled that way. We're all under the curse of manifold suffering. From birth to death, the painful effect of the fall is ever-present. And again, I know that that is a gloomy topic to talk about, but we don't want to live delusionally, and I think that is a temptation for many people that they recognize that there are things that are wrong with them, but they don't want to deal with them face-to-face. And we had rather round the corners off of our problems and round the corners off of reality, but when we do that, we will never, ever fix our problems because that's not how uh, we go about problem solving. And so we do from birth to death. The painful effect of the fall is ever present. Even redemption through Christ does not immune us from personal problems. And I do think that needs to be said more often than it probably is. Uh, our, Our evangelistic approach tends to be, hey, do you want peace and joy and happiness? Do you want eternity in heaven? Uh, do you want ultimate healing uh, through Christ, spiritually and physically, ultimately? Now, those things are true, uh, but there's another aspect to our salvation, too. Paul said this in uh, Philippians 1.29, that it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. And so there are two things that are granted to us or given to us at the moment of regeneration. One of those is salvation, praise God, and the other one is suffering. And so coming to Christ does not immune us from personal problems. This reality is analogous to the omnipresence of the sun's heat. Though retreating to an air-conditioned room can be a respite from the hot summer day, that is not an ultimate solution that will protect us from what the sun can do to us. Summer heat and suffering are similar in that you can get a temporary break from either one, but you'll never be free from the diurnal rising of the heat every morning or recurring 
suffering. Just as heat is part of God's plan, uh, as we see in Genesis 1-3 when he created the heat, well, so is suffering uh, that we see in 1 Peter 2-21. It is a part of God's plan. Peter said it this way, that suffering is our calling. In, in 1 Peter 2.21, he says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might walk or follow in his steps. And so God's design through suffering is to mature us into Christ's likeness, which is the redemptive purpose of pain. There's another side of pain. There's a painful side of pain, but there's also a redemptive purpose in pain too. And that is a blessing if we see it and then we act accordingly. And so let's talk about one, the title of this podcast, The Danger of Cursing the Son, and then let's flip it on its head and let's see the redemptive purposes when suffering or heat comes into our life. Now you are aware of how heat brings, uh, how heat brings life to the plant kingdom? Are you aware of how the Lord permits personal suffering to mature you? Paul said it very well in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verses uh, 8 and 9, where he told us that the reason that this suffering has come to them, him and his team, is so that it would push him and them beyond their ability to rectify the situation, so that it would teach them to rely on God who raises the dead rather than relying on themselves. Sometimes God will bring heat into our lives to push us to such a point that we cannot fix it ourselves. And we also see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, where Paul had an unmovable thorn in the flesh, and he asked God to remove it. That, that's an appropriate prayer, and I'm sure that you have prayed that way many times when different difficulties have come into your life. But in that passage in 2 Corinthians 12, God said no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul said, therefore, I will rejoice in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He began to see the redemptive purposes of pain and suffering. And then he gives us the really the secret to the Christian life in verse 10 of that passage when he said, for when I am weak then I am strong. Paul had had been ushered through the portal where uh, he realized that God is greater than him and that that there is redemptive purposes in pain. And and through going through suffering, he accessed grace that he could not access otherwise. And so the purpose of pain, just like heat for the plant kingdom, is to cause growth. And we want to see it, and we want to act accordingly when we have this kind of worldview, this kind of theology of suffering. And so, again, our kind and generous Heavenly Father will permit from time to time, unwelcome heat in our lives to protect us from ourselves. He is so kind to us that he realizes that he needs to push us to that place of inability so that his ability can shine through. And so, yes, suffering has a self-protective element to it. Let me explain. The intent of suffering is to generate Humility, that is the ultimate biblical intent 
of suffering is to generate humility that creates a unique dependency on the Lord. That's what I was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that Paul said, I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that we experienced in Asia, that we were burdened beyond our strength, that we even despaired of life, but that was to teach us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on him who raises the dead. And so suffering came into his life to generate a humility that you can hear in that text, because God was creating a unique dependency with Paul and his team on himself. And so we begin to recognize our inadequacy to fix our problems, which is the humble's heart cue to see someone more able than us. And so pain pushes us into the presence of the perfect one who can perform more powerfully than we can. And the wise person realizes that their first impulse when suffering knocks is to let God answer the door. Of course, fallenness is always crouching at that same door, which instinctively tempts us not to turn to God when trouble comes. In those moments, it's vital to recognize that the problem is not so much about the heat as it is about what the heat reveals about us. And so rather than submitting to the soft heart that fosters humility, the heat in our lives can have another effect, a hardening one, because we're not recognizing that God is in the pain. And thus the rule of thumb is that heat reveals. Perhaps those are the only two words that you need to remember from this podcast, heat reveals. So when trouble comes, you want to first diagnose what your problems reveal about you before focusing on the problem itself. And so let me, with that in mind, ask you a few questions. When the Lord brings heat into your life, what is the effect of that suffering on you? Does it have a hardening effect, which means that you're rejecting God, that you're pushing from God, that you're you're still relying on yourself to fix the problem primarily, or does that suffering bring you to that unique opportunity of relying on him who raises the dead? Therefore, it is not hardening your heart. It is softening your heart. It's the difference between pride and humility. Question two, does heat draw you to the Lord or push you away from him. Now, rather than thinking about a specific episode where we all fail from time to time, what is the pattern in your life when trouble comes? That's what this question is asking. Do you draw near to God or do you push away from him? Not episodically, because we probably all push away uh, from time to time, but how are you generally characterized when the suffering comes into your life? And so you think back of, of, of several suffering events, painful moments in your life, and what would be the general characterization? What would be the pattern? Have you generally pushed away from God, or have you leaned into Him? And then finally, question number three, you don't want to ignore any trouble in your life, but you must not miss this critical diagnostic opportunity. Thus, the question is, what do problems typically reveal about the condition of your heart. The big idea is that it should have a humbling effect. Heat reveals. And so what does it reveal about you? There have been a few times in my life where I I yielded 
to cursing the sun, figuratively speaking, when the heat came. By responding in those moments as I did, it's like a man standing on a mountain cursing the literal sun because the heat was burning down on his head. Do you recognize any foolishness in that kind of behavior? My initial impulse was not to see it as God's active kindness in my life. Flailing away at the sun will not bring satisfying results to you or your relationships. It will only intensify the problems and probably adversely affect all those in the vicinity of the sun cursor. The sun cursor can no more change the sun than the angry person creates joy and peace by his sinful response to his circumstances. Perhaps discerning the difference between the sun cursor and the humble heart will help. And so as you view, I'm going to share a list to you. And as you listen to this list, I would love for you to mentally check the descriptions that best fit you. This brief exercise that we're about to have here could be a time to, one, express gratitude to God for his empowering favor that is on you because you are appropriating his grace in your life and you are responding like the humble individual. Or perhaps this little exercise will be an opportunity for you to work with him to learn what you need so that you're not that sun cursor. And so carefully assess. I want to give you a list of of individuals, and I'll give you the positive and the negative to each one. One is mature. The other is immature uh, when it comes to responding to our problems. And so you can kind of preface all of these illustrations with the phrase, when suffering comes. And so when suffering comes, one is mature, one is immature. And so how would you be characterized, generally speaking? Don't pick an episode, but just think as a pattern how you are generally characterized. When suffering comes, you're generally, you're most of the time mature, or you respond in a mature way or immaturely. Number two, when suffering comes, one is humble, and then the other is proud. One is perceptive, Uh, They realize that there is a greater narrative that's going on here. Uh, They have peripheral vision. They can see a spectrum of opportunity before them and not just microscopically looking at the problem that is in front of them as though they were looking through a tube. One is perceptive. The other is ignorant. One is grateful when suffering comes. The other is discontented. Remember, the rule of thumb diagnostic is heat reveals. One is wise. The other is foolish. One is faith-filled and the other is fearful or hopeless. And so as you listen to that and you're, you're ticking the boxes as to which ones best describe you, you can tally up. By the way, if you want to see this list, then again, just go to our website and look for the article, The Problem with Cursing the Sun. And if you tend to lean more toward being a sun cursor, then you have an opportunity uh, to learn from the Lord and to cooperate with Him and work on those things that, that you need to fix. A vital question is, is why do people respond differently to their situations? Why is one mature, the other immature, one humble, one proud, one perceptive, one ignorant, one grateful, one discontented, one wise, one foolish, one faith-filled, and one 
fearful. Why does one person curse the sun and the other perceive the Lord's restorative work through the heat stressors of their life? Joseph was like this as you read him saying in Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. His primary uh, uh, worldview is that God is, has brought this heat into his life for a good purpose. He did not dismiss the bad. He said, you've done it for evil. But the accent mark was not on the evil. He put the accent mark on God's purposes through the suffering. Perhaps I can illustrate my answer. The question is, why does one person curse the sun and the other perceive the Lord's restorative work through the heat stressors of life, maybe by illustrating my answer this way. If you were to submerge a sponge in a pitcher of water and then take the sponge out of the water, out of the picture, and then squeeze the sponge, water will come out of the sponge. Why? There was water in the sponge. It's rocket science, eh? Whatever was in the sponge, when you squeeze it, when you put pressure on the on the sponge, then whatever's in the sponge is going to come out, and that's what pressure will do to a sponge. When the Lord brings a negative situation in your life, take note as to what comes out of your mouth. You remember what Jesus said in in six uh, Luke six forty three forty four forty five. His punchline was in 45. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when suffering comes into your life and you're being squeezed, your heart is being squeezed, what comes out will reveal who we are. What comes out will give you an accurate assessment of the condition of your heart. There is hardly a better diagnostic that you can take than to assess yourself when you do not get your way those moments do not permit you to work from a prearranged script. They come instantaneously, and your instinct is to respond, and a quick response to heat reveals your most authentic self, for good or for evil. Is your pattern, is your characterization to curse the sun when things become difficult, or is your pattern, your characterization to perceive the Lord working in your life when things become difficult? Your normal responses to life's challenges reveal the quality of your relationship with the Lord and the quality of your relationship with those within your immediate sphere of influence, as well as those that are outside of your sphere of influence that you interact with occasionally. Sovereign God loves you so much that he will not refrain from bringing heat into your life to help you become more like his son. Now, as I wrap up this podcast, let me give you one final pro tip. I want you to think about this. There is a good chance that even the problematic people in your life are instruments of righteousness in the Lord's hands to shape you into a vessel that is competent for use in his world. Don't dismiss the Lord's work in your life through unruly and unsavory people. They could very well be an instrument of righteousness in God's hands uh, to shape you into a vessel that is competent for use in his world. All right, so the call to action to this book is I'm assuming that, well, let's say that you have listened to all of the chapters, you listen to all the podcasts, the videos, there's eight of them, this is the eighth one, or maybe you've read all eight of uh, the articles. 
I appeal to you not to set this book aside. Throughout this book, I've been asking question after question, and if you've taken the time to reflect upon the questions that I've been asking, perhaps doing some writing assignments, even talking to God and talking to others about your responses to the questions throughout, then you have already experienced changes. And so what if, as far as a long-term homework assignment, that you go back through this book? I have all the chapters linked here in this one, uh, Cursing the Sun. Let this book be a workbook that you use until your cooperative work with the Lord and a close friend is so evident that people, people notice the changes Now, there are several ways that you can do this. For example, you could go through these eight chapters and you could write out all of the questions that I have asked, not just in the call to action, but also in the other places too. And if you are an individual that struggles with the life-dominating sin of anger, then I would encourage you not to go to anything else, that you work this through. I mean, what else do you need to do? Uh, Sometimes we read books like chain smoking and we don't really settle down on a book or on a topic or on a subject that we can really work through into our psyche, into our soul until it has an effect on us. And so if you struggle with anger, perhaps this would be a good six-month assignment for you. And so number one, go back and identify all the questions. You can print off every one of these articles here on a PDF, and you can highlight all the questions. And then take as much time, number two, take as much time as you need to answer them. You're not in a race. You want to overcome a habituated anger problem. Perhaps it is a life-dominating sin. Be prayerful. Be reflective. And so take as much as time, as much time as you need to answer these questions. And number three, share what you're learning with a trusted friend who will ask you even more questions. And that's what you want in a friend. Uh, You want a friend who will listen to what you're saying and will respond to what you're saying, but they will also ask you more questions to tease out other things because they have peripheral vision. That's the kind of person that you want. And so therefore, your friend must be courageous and compassionate, courageous in that he will not rubber stamp you or she will not rubber stamp you, and compassionate because they won't be harsh. They won't they won't uh, tie they won't uh, tie their questions on a on a hatchet and sling them over. Over to you, but they will be courageous and compassionate. They will speak truth to you in a courteous way. Now, if you do not have that friend, someone that would speak truth to you in a courteous, compassionate way, uh, you're welcome to uh, take advantage of our forums again. We would love for you to be here, and our team would love to interact with you. And so number three, share what you're learning with a trusted friend who will ask even more questions. And then number four, find someone that you can disciple. Or maybe teach this material uh, to a Sunday school class, a leadership class, a small group class. The teacher learns more than the student. And if you can teach these things, they will begin to own you, and God will begin to give you victory over your anger. The goal of all of our learning in our Christian life is not just for us to be better people. I mean, that is partial goal. That is a good half goal, but we don't want to be Dead Sea Christians, and so we want to go out and make disciples the Great Commission. And one of the ways that you can really process information is that if you have to articulate it and say it back to another 
person. The title of this podcast is The Problem with Cursing the Sun. You can read this article, you can listen to it by podcast, or you can watch the video. And then also, I would love for you to get to the end of it as you work through the call to action. This is a a significant call to action section uh, of this particular chapter of my book, and I would love for you to take it to heart, especially uh, if you're struggling with a a life-dominating sin of anger. Now, perhaps you are discipling someone, then this would be an excellent homework assignment for them. Let, Let me, let us serve you that way. So as you are bringing discipleship care for them, use this article, podcast, the videos, all of them, they're on YouTube, use them as a means of grace in an individual's life and tell them, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to hunker down over the next six weeks or six months. Again, you pace yourself and you want to be consistent and well-paced and you want to bring all the means of grace that you possibly can into this learning changing experience. And and some of those means of grace are this content that I have developed for you, other individuals who can come alongside you, and then you want to give them an opportunity to go out and also be disciple makers. And so use this as a homework assignment along with the discipleship and, and counseling that you are doing. And then finally, if you do want to talk to us, please uh, come to our ministry and let us interact with you. Now, maybe you have other questions there have been several people on our forums today, as they were yesterday and as they were the day before. They are active enough. I would love for them to be more active, but we appreciate every person that comes to us. They have genuine questions. that They're working through uh, personal problems, marriage problems, family problems, church problems. There's all sorts of issues that they're struggling with, and they won't help. We are not a replacement for the local church, have no intent of doing that, but we do want to supplement. And if we can supplement, we would find no greater joy than that. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. The title of it is The Problem with Cursing the Sun. God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.